This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hello to all my beautiful, amazing, intuitive, smart, holy listeners. I am really excited to be teaching you Parak Samach Test today. Parak Samach Test is chapter 69. This parak is sponsored for all of the people who are going through COVID. It's sponsored by somebody who is um, dealing with COVID right now and her family, herself, her family. And she would like to sponsor this class as a Rafa for everybody who is dealing with the effects of this pandemic. Okay, so Parak Samach Tess. This Parak is David expressing the cry of the Jewish soul in exile. And he's basically expressing our prayer for redemption. Now, in talking about the pain of the Gullus, he mentions a lot the idea of embarrassment and shame and humiliation that we have endured as a nation. Um, specifically, he, you know, he takes that embarrassment specifically mentions it again and again here in this parak as something that is so painful. And David knows how painful it is because he himself, like we always say, you know, he suffered this specific pain in his life when he committed his mistake with Bacheva and people embarrassed him and they spread rumors about him that weren't true. So he knows what it feels to be degraded and to be humiliated. And so he's talking here about the humiliation and the degradation of the Jews in Gullahs. Now, let's look at the concept for a minute of embarrassment. Not a minute. Actually, we're going to do the whole class on it. This is going to be my focus. Um, let's look at embarrassment. There's an opinion in the Gemara that it's better to withstand physical pain than to go through the pain of embarrassment and humiliation. And unfortunately, we have all, you know, each in our own separate lives, have we have gone through this. We've gone through the pain of humiliation We've all been in a vulnerable, compromised state in front of others that we would have preferred not to be in. We've all made mistakes that somehow somebody else ended up finding out about it, and we suffered the pain of recognizing that somebody is being exposed to our limitations um, and our mistakes. It's, it's, it's painful, but it's also a very necessary emotion. The emotion of shame, of embarrassment, really helps to keep us in check. It helps to keep us on the right path in our life. We we care about how we look in public. It's important, right? We dress nicely. We dress with sneers. We act dignified. Um, even how we treat ourselves, how we treat our children, our spouse. A lot of these things we do for our own self-dignity. We don't feel good when we yell at, our, at someone that's dear to us. It doesn't feel good. We feel like we degraded ourselves. So embarrassment and shame play a very, very important role and they have to be present in our life, but our goal is to keep them there in the perfect amount, not too much and not too little. So I want to talk today about how this embarrassment can be channeled in the right way. How can we cope with it so that it doesn't cause us such a tremendous amount of pain, but at the same time we are taking the lessons that we're meant to be taking from it. This All this talk about embarrassment is reminding me about a time um, a couple years ago when I was teaching and my employer sent out an email to all of the teachers and we were supposed to respond to her privately. So I responded, you know, uh, it was a private matter about my salary or whatever. And I responded to my employer 
But unfortunately, I soon found out from a couple of people who quickly texted me, um, you know, some coworkers who were texting me, my employer quickly called me, and to my horror, I discovered that I had actually sent this email to everyone. I had hit reply all instead of reply. Ouch. Major ouch. Um, we could all laugh about it now. It was not funny at all. I was probably like up half the night eating myself up alive from it. It was embarrassing. What, whatever I had written really should not have gotten out to 60 other staff members, faculty members, teachers, assistants, uh, OTs, PTs, uh, all, the, all the letters you could think of. Everybody got it. <laughs> so, and then the next day there was a teacher's meeting and I had like these younger teachers who were giggling behind me and pointing and you know I was like hello please come on have some have some mercy over here so you know we all know what this feels like it's like that burning pain of embarrassment and I want to offer a process to help us cope with this embarrassment and to help self-soothe the painful emotions that are associated with it so let's look into this parak parak so David is praying here, Al Shoshanim. Shoshanim are the Jews. He's praying on behalf of the Jews. Why are we referred to as roses? Shoshanim are roses. We're referred to as roses because that's what we're referred to in Shir Hashirim. Hashem calls us roses. We're Shoshanim Bein HaChochem. We're the roses amongst the thorns. And since this whole parak is David talking about the Jews in Gullus, it makes sense here that in Gullus, where we're pierced by thorns, he calls us the roses. Okay, Pasuk Beis. Hoshieni Elohim Kivau Mayim Ad Nafesh. He's echoing here the prayer of Nachshon ben Aminadav, who said this Pasuk when he was in the Yamsuf and the water was coming up to his neck, and he said, Hashem, save me because the water has come up to my neck and I'm about to die. So he's using, David is using this metaphor here to talk about the tsaros and galos and the, all the difficulties that we have to endure, that sometimes we actually feel like, Bo Mayim Ad Nafesh, I can't anymore. I, I can't, like one more thing, and I'm just not going to, I can't, I can't survive it. Pasuk Gimel says, Tavati mitsula, ma'amad. I'm like sunk in a deep mire, and I, there's no foothold. I can't, I'm like, I'm like in, in, in this muddy ground where my feet, I'm not stable, my feet are not stable on the ground. I'm like in this deep water, and a current is coming and just sweeping me away. So this is, again, also a metaphor for the Gullus, and David is saying here that in Gullus, we're in deep water. Our feet are not connected to the ground in a stable way. We're like sinking in the ground. We're in this deep water. We're not feeling stable. We're surrounded by hostile nations. We're in an environment where we're being influenced in all kinds of different ways. And so when a current comes and wants to sweep us over, it's so easy to get swept away. Shibolas Shitafasni, we're getting swept away by the current because we're already not in our stable, ideal environment. Um, when I think about this, and you know, I don't want to sound preachy at all. I always, you know, I try not to do this because I'm just like everybody else. I also have all my struggles and everything that all my challenges. But I do have to go with my gut here and the guidance that I get when I'm preparing these classes. I very much connect to, you know, my guidance. Hashem is sending me ideas into my head and, and I feel that I have to give them over. So I'm just going to be very honest and tell you what my feelings are when I see this Pasuk. When I see this, I think about social media and the rampant desensitization 
to the concept of privacy, modesty, humility, and basic sensitivity and empathy and care for other people. It's like the current that like rides us away and it very easily could take us into a territory of desensitization to these basic, important Jewish values that we have always held dear to us. So let's say Tzniyas, for example, right? Modesty, privacy. It's something that we have always, we have always held it so important to us. And yet somehow we find ourselves now with this compulsion to show off our most precious possessions to the whole world, right? We, we feel like we have to put pictures of our, you know, our, of our children, our, our spouses. We're, we're, we're taking our sacred, our sacred marital bonds and putting it out there for everybody to see in such a public way. Not to mention the small little things that were that are being shared. Uh, what people have to know what nail polish color you're wearing or a band of clothing you're wearing. Um, and I'm not saying it's always a bad thing. And I'm sure there are also productive, just like everything else, there are productive uses of these types of things as well. But as Dina Schoonmaker says, um, she's definitely a role model of mine. She, you know, she gives a whole class on Sneas, and she says we have to ask ourselves. Al cheshbon ma, on what cheshbon? What am I sacrificing by doing what I'm doing? When we do something, even if it's a spiritual thing that we view as being something holy and good, we have to ask ourselves, al cheshbon ma, on whose cheshbon? On what cheshbon am I doing this? Who's going to be paying the bill here? What's what's going to be the the downside of doing what I'm doing? And if even one person, if even one person is looking at your pictures, your status, your story, your whatever it is, and feeling a tinge of pain, a pinch in their heart, because maybe they don't have that gloriously happy marriage, or maybe they don't have those delicious children, or maybe they don't have the money for that gorgeous new shaitel, or whatever it is. If even one person is feeling that pain from you, from what you posted on there, is that not enough to make us think twice? Is that not enough to make us think twice? What is our goal? We have to determine everything that we do has to be deliberate. What is my goal here? Is it worth it? What am I going to accomplish? What what might what might be the downsides to this? Al ma. Very important um, to consider. Maybe it is worth it, and maybe what you're doing is the right thing. But what I do see is a rampant desensitization going around. So let's get our footing back in the ground. Let's get ourselves out of that deep water and let's connect. Let's connect ourselves to what, what is the goal here? Pasuk ches. Ki alecha, and I'm skipping around. Uh, I'm going to be skipping around soon. Ki alecha nasasi cherpa. So here we're talking about the embarrassment and the shame. We're saying, Hashem, throughout this entire galas, we are going through a lot of embarrassment. And when we think about embarrassment, the, what comes to my mind is those pictures of the, the Jews walking into the, into the gas chambers with their heads shaven, looking like skeletons, all the, you know, the numbers on the arms and being treated like animals who are not worth anything. This is the type of things the Jews have gone through in our gullus, even you know, in our days, seeing the way Israel is spoken about in the media and the lies and the rumors and the things that make no sense that are being made up about us. For your sake, Hashem, we are going through embarrassment and, and 
you know, we, we, we could say, you know what, forget it, I'm going to let go of being a Jew because it's embarrassing, but no, I'm doing it for you, Hashem, it's all worth it to me to stay connected with you and with your Torah and with your mitzvahs. Yud Beis, the end of Pasuk Yud Beis says, lahem lamashal. The Jews became a mashal. We became like a metaphor in the world. The word Jew is like almost like a metaphor for anything that's like base and despicable in the world. That's how we are looked upon by the nations. Pasuk Yodalit. And I, as for me, may my prayer come to you, Hashem, at a favorable moment. So we're saying here, all this pain that we go through, all the cherpa, the shame, the degradation, the fact that we're a mashal for the negative things in the world, all of this is happening. However, instead of you know integrating with the people around me, with the world around me, instead of getting angry at God, what do I do? I open up my sitter, I talk to Hashem. I focus on my greatest defense in the world, which is my connection to my Creator. Now, what's this Ace Ratzon? We're saying that, um, you know, may my prayer come to you at an Ace Ratzon. What do we mean, my prayer should come to you at a good time? And this concept always bothered me a little bit. I was always like, well, I want every time I dive into be an Ace Ratzon. Like, why, why does it have to be that only at specific times it could that's special and, and the rest of the times that I'm diving is not special? Rabban Gamliel Rabbanovich explains that when a person is keenly aware of the fact that Hashem is right in front of him, listening to his prayer, and forgets about the world around him, and puts all his trust in Hashem, then he creates an Ace Ratzon. That moment that he's in that feeling state is an Ace Ratzon. That's what makes the Ace Ratzon exist then. So it's a nice thing to know that when we're in the right mindset, we're really feeling that humility before God, then we have created an Ace Ratzon. Pasuk Yudzayin, Aneini Hashem Kitov Chazdecha. Okay, so answer me Hashem, not because of my own, obviously, if it was because of my own merits that you should be answering me, my, my merits are so lacking. So the Radak says, Aneini Kitov Chazdecha, answer me, not because of my merits, but because of your boundless mercy. According to your boundless mercy, which knows no limitation, that's how you should be answering me, and not according to my merits. Your test. Karva al nafshi laman pedeni. Come near to me and redeem me, free me from my enemies. If we look at the word ge'ala, ge'ula, ge'ula, redemption, and the word gola, which is exile. If we look at those two words, gola and ge'ula, redemption and exile, there's one letter that makes them different. And that one letter, what, what gets us from Gola, from the Gullahs, to the Geula, to the redemption, is the Aleph. The Aleph is referencing, is talking about Hashem, the one God. And we have to remember that even though we may have the outer, we're, in the, in, we're living in Gullahs, in our outer reality is that we're in exile, we can easily redeem ourselves inwardly. And how do we do that? We do that by consistently practicing to observe the world through the lens of a godly reality. If I see reality and I, and, I'm, and I claim to be a realistic person and I only trust what I see and what I know and what I could tangibly fathom, then I'm limiting myself. I'm in Gola. I'm in Gullus. But if I tap into the godliness behind it all, 
and I recognize that everything is possible and Hashem runs the world, then I'm free. Then I have a personal sense of inner freedom. Then I am in Geula. Then I added the Aleph to the mix and I'm redeemed. Just to give you an example of this, I have a friend who was in, you know, in my house, staying in my house from out of town, and I took her, you know, um, I live close to the five towns of Rockaway, and there's some very uh, amazing from Sneas clothing stores around here, and she doesn't have that where she lives. So I took her shopping, and we were in the store, and she was trying on a beautiful outfit, and she really wanted it, and she looked at the price, and it was expensive. It was like $600. It was like a whole outfit, and it was $600, and even for her, it was more expensive, because wherever she's from, you know, $600 is considered way, way more than it is here. So she was, you know, clearing for a few minutes, like, which I do, and it didn't take her that long to figure out, you know, I'm getting it. And this is a person, I'm talking about a person who is, who lives with that Aleph, who lives with the understanding and the, not just the understanding intellectually, but it's in her bones. I mean, she knows that Hashem provides for her. It all comes from him, and he's constantly sending her whatever she needs in a constant flow. And because she lives that way and expects it to be that way, that is the truth of her life, and it's incredible to watch. It's so inspiring. So what happens? She spends the $600 on the outfit. That night, we're in my house on the couch. Another friend came over because, you know, the friend from out of town is here, and we're all sitting and schmoozing and talking about our day. And suddenly, my friend gets uh, an alert on her phone that she just got an incoming transfer of money. I guess uh, Zelle or PayPal. She got an incoming thing, and she's getting an email about it. And how much is it? It's $600. This is a true story. Um, I have witnesses that were there. She, yeah, you could, you know, call, call me. I'll give you their number. This is not a fake, made-up story. Um, she had, it happened right in front of my nose. $600. She's looking at her phone. We're all schmoozing, and she's looking at her phone wide-eyed, and she cannot breathe. Like, you could just see her face. She's like, wow, you know? She was, like, in awe. And we're like, what? What happened? She took her, like, a, a few seconds to be able to actually say it because that's how amazed she was. She said, guys, you'll never believe this. I just got $600 in my account, and I have no idea where it came from. I wasn't expecting money to come at all. Anyways, it took her a few minutes to track down that somebody who was taking one of her classes, she gives classes, someone ended up deciding they're going to pay for all the classes up front instead of paying class by class, which is something that's really unheard of. Nobody ever does that. And that's how she got this money. Um, and this is how she lives. And she, even though she's in Gullus, she's in Geula. She is connected with the Aleph. She's connected with the one and only omnipotent God who couldn't do anything for her. She lives that way, and so she experiences that in her world. Pasuk says, Pour out your wrath on them, and may your blazing anger overtake them. So here, David is going into a place of asking, you know, he already said, Hashem, please help us according to your kindness. Take us to a place of redemption, of Geula. And now he's saying, also, please punish these enemies who have embarrassed us over all of these generations. Um, and he's saying, Hashem, you know, and pour it over them. I know, Hashem, that when you punish a tzaddik, you mete out his punishment in the smallest possible doses. You give him little bits of punishment at a time. You don't want to overwhelm him and drown him in it. But with the wicked people, Hashem pours out all of his anger in a single overwhelming term.
Okay, Pasuk and Aleph, and here we go. Here is the classic David style, which is so beautiful, and which is why I love Tehillim so much. After talking about all the pain and all the hardships, and getting into the details of what it felt like, and speaking about what his wishes are for the future, he now goes into a positive place. I will extol God's name with song and exalt him with praise. So here he's, you know, he's going into this place of, yes, Gullus was hard, Gullus is tough, and he's talking about us, obviously, you know, he's Beruach HaKodesh, that the Jews are going to go through so much. However, he recognizes, and we all need to recognize, that it is these difficulties in Gullus that make us who we are, that reinforce our character and make us stronger, better people. So he's recognizing this, and, I, and this is just this is why I love Tehillim because it it mirrors real life. In real life, the more we can feel our emotions, validate them, show ourselves love for having them, allow them in, the easier they're going to pass, and we'll naturally be able to get to a place of greater positivity. And that's what David models for us in his Prakim of Tehillim. He's getting into it. He talks about it. He brings metaphors to describe his pain. He gets into it in great detail. He allows himself to have it. He talks to Hashem from the bottom of his heart. And then he's able to naturally get to this place of Ahalal Hashem Elohim Bashir Ba'agad Lanu Besoda. Pasuk Lamed Vav. Ki Elohim Yoshia Tzion V'yivna Arei Yehuda V'yashvu Sham V'yreshuha Okay, and then at the end of Lamed Zayin V'ohave Shemo Yishkenu So he's saying that Hashem is going to save us and rebuild Yerushalayim and we're going to inherit the land and all the people who love Hashem are going to be able to live there in peace and harmony. Okay, so in recounting the pain of our exile, like we saw, and I only gave you a little snippet where it spoke about the cherpa, the embarrassment and the shame, but he talks about it again and again. It's a long parak. I skipped most of it. He talks about it a lot here. And we said, we spoke about how embarrassment is really like the most painful experience, one of the most painful experiences that anybody could have, arguably even more, even worse than physical pain. So, you know, and like we said, though, unfortunately, embarrassment is part of our lives. So let's, let's see how we can deal with it in the best way. So three steps I want to offer you on dealing with embarrassing situations. You, something happens, you're feeling that burn, what do you do? So step one is you want to normalize it. Normalize what, you know, whatever happened. So for example, like, let's go back to my story where I pressed reply all. I could have sat there and just reassured myself, right? Step one, reassured myself that this is technology. This is what happens. It happens to hundreds of thousands of millions of people every single day because it's the nature of the way technology is. And these mistakes happen. And I could have reassured myself that probably way worse mistakes are happening all over the world at this very moment. What did I do already, right? What did I, I could have like just stopped catastrophizing it and broken it down. Did I kill somebody? Did I steal? What did I do? I sent a message that was meant for one person to many people. Okay, right? Normalize it. Step two, take a lesson from it. The, like we said, the purpose of shame and embarrassment is to keep us in check in our life. So if I can take a lesson from it, then I'm fulfilling the purpose of why I'm having the embarrassment, and that's already going to take a big edge off of the pain. So what, you know, what can I take from here? Now, if you're feeling shame about something that you did nothing wrong, it has nothing to do with you, you're just feeling less than for some reason, for maybe something that's going on in your life, or whatever it is, that's a different work through. I'm talking about 
the embarrassment and, and where you had a part in it, right? Where you had a part in it that's making you feel like you really did something wrong. So I knew that I was careless and I quickly just replied and I should have thought first. So take a lesson. My lesson was if I'm sending out classified information, double check before you hit the send button. Who are you sending it to? Make sure you're sending it to the right person. That's the lesson that I took from it, which I keep to this day. I'm extra careful because of this situation, which makes this whole thing worth it because this all happened a long time ago. But to this very day, I'm able to protect myself in a greater way because I learned this very important lesson. And step three, so we said normalize, take a lesson. And then step three is you could do a, a process that's called the peace process. The peace process is a process that I was recently introduced to that could be used with any difficult emotion. And I found it to be extremely helpful and I'll explain to you what it is and I'll explain to you why it works. So the peace process is when you're going through a difficult emotion and we're talking about embarrassing fear, right? So you're feeling that burning embarrassment. So you ask yourself, where in my body am I feeling it? Where is it? And just get quiet, take a few deep breaths and feel the physical sensation of that emotional pain that you're feeling. It always is somewhere. You'll feel a tightening. You'll feel a, a thump. You'll feel a knot. You'll feel something going on in a certain part of your body. Find it, okay? It might be in multiple places. Let's say it's in your chest. That's a common one. It could be anywhere, though. People have it in their hands, their feet, their shoulders, their elbows, their teeth. It could be anywhere, right? Let's say it's in your chest. So just take your attention there to that part of your body and say, where in my chest is it the worst? And put your hand there. And just kind of like massage it and feel it and, and, and touch it and send it loving messages and allow it to be there in your body. Allow it to exist there and just sit with it and focus your attention on it with love for however long it takes to dissipate. And it will dissipate because when you allow emotion, an emotion to be and you make space for it and you, you're kind to it and you're loving towards it and you're recognizing that it's there to serve you in some way, then it will be able to pass. So that's the peace process. Where is it in my body? Feel where you're feeling it the most. Put your hand there. Send it warm feelings. I bless and accept this feeling. We spoke about saying that in past classes. Um, thank you for being here to help me or to serve me in whatever way that you're here for and allow it to be. And if it starts to move around, you could you know, move your attention to wherever it moves to until you're feeling better. It could take 10 minutes. It could take a half an hour. Um, if you can't do it, right there wherever you are, come back to it a little later, or just do a short version if you're in a store and you're feeling embarrassed, right? Just ask yourself, where do I feel this? And locate it in your body. You can come back to actually sitting with it for a prolonged period of time later on in the day or whatever, um, whenever you have time. But why does this work, right? It might sound interesting to you, but it works. Why does it work? Because picture for a minute that you're wearing a, a very thick coat of steel armor and you can't move because you're like stuck in this armor. So that's what happens to us when we get into intense emotions very often we feel debilitated. We're stuck and we're confined in this tight place and it takes us over and it, it becomes who we are. Like we are the feeling and it's totally debilitating. However, what would happen if I melted that armor into like a liquid and I formed it into a little ball and I put it in my hand and I held it? I would feel way more in control of it. I would feel like I could still function. And, and it's way more manageable to deal with when it's something that I could hold in my hand because it's smaller and it's separate from me. It's not on me. It's not covering me. So the same thing is here. When I locate the physical sensation of the emotion in my body, 
I'm actually isolating it. I'm separating it from myself. I'm noticing it as a separate entity. So now I'm free. I'm ha I'm, I have mobility, right? I can move. I can do. I can think. I can be separate from that emotion. I can be independent. I can exist independent from the emotion. It could be there and I could also be there, right? And not that I'm completely taken over by it. So that's the first very important advantage of doing this exercise is that when I see where the emotion is in my body and I feel it, I already am noticing that it's just a part of me. It's not who I am. And it allows me to think more clearly and to manage the emotion much better and to feel better. The second reason why it works is because whatever you're going to resist or whatever you don't let in will persist. It will continue. What you resist persists. Your feelings that you're trying to push away will come back at you with a vengeance. And so when I show it love and I allow it and I let it be there and I focus on it, then it can safely release its hold on me and pass. Okay, so just to review, we said three steps to dealing with embarrassment. Normalize, take a lesson, and do the peace process by following where that physical sensation is in your body. And this can be used in many different situations, in many different, with many different types of emotions. It could be used when I'm trying to set my boundaries and I'm feeling discomfort and I, I'm not comfortable with setting boundaries yet and I'm feeling that pain in my body, where is it, right? So then I could still set my boundary and know that I have the pain of doing it and honor that pain but still do what I want to do. It allows me to make the right decisions, to make the right choices, to act on what I know I want to be acting on while also honoring the pain at the same time but not letting it control me. I hope everybody, um, nobody, I hope nobody has any practice with any of these steps because there should be no more embarrassment and shame anymore and we should just live happy, peaceful lives with Mashiach and the Beis HaMikdash and it, everything should just be amazing and peaceful and awesome for all of us. But uh, in the meantime, if you need it, here it is. Thank you so much for listening.